practice with that. First Corinthians 10, I'm glad you're here tonight. It's wonderful to be in a midweek service at a church where the Bible's opened, where we sing the songs of God, where we get to think about good things, not bad things, where the uh, focus is the Lord Jesus, not politics or economy or anything else. Thank God for it. One little twist to tonight. I knew I was in trouble when I had the three amigos there take up the offering. No sooner did those three guys start taking money than that policeman there walked in. <laughs> Someone must have called and said there were some shady looking guys and caused some trouble with Lighthouse. So, no, I do appreciate you fellas doing that. And uh, it's, uh, to me, as a pastor, and I mean this seriously, it's, uh, it's an honor to have working people in the church who just love the Lord and work all day and could, could just prop their feet up and say, oh, well, I'm too tired, but they want to be in church. And that, that means a lot. It means a lot to me. It makes me want to study well and have the Word ready. And once me, it makes me want to have, have something for you. And you come with that. And so in between your naps, I can get something in you that I have. <laughs> and uh, so good stuff. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I uh, want us to look at this. I want to review just a moment with you. Remember, as we've been going through Corinthians, we're dealing with the Bible truths for today. As we've been in Corinthians, and of course we've had the gaps in between. I'm not trying to go to Corinthians every service, but I believe the Lord has us learning these books for a reason. Um, when we start studying about the church at Corinth, you remember when Paul first went there, he had come straight from Athens, and we learned about that. He met Aquila and Priscilla there, and the church was started. And he did what Paul always did. He started by dealing with the people in the synagogues, dealing with the Jewish population and such. And there was a point in time where they hardened towards the gospel. They weren't hearing it very well anymore. What's, what's strange, you, you, you read, I don't know that's strange, but it's interesting. It seems from everything you read as you go through in, in Acts, uh, 18, dealing with them coming in, all these things going on. And then when you read about Corinth, it seems like Apollos ended up having, after he understood that he needed, uh, that the Lord was the answer to John's teaching and all that, but Apollos seemed to have a stronger ministry among the Jews than Paul did. He just really mightily, the Bible says, convinced the Jews. And of course, he was an eloquent man, mighty in the scripture and all that. But you understand that Corinth was a uh, Greek city and it was a Gentile city. It was a city uh, of non-Jewish people. There were Jews there, but it wasn't a Jewish city. Uh, it was a city of a lot of, uh, a, a lot of false religion, a lot of sensuality, a lot of things that had to be dealt with that, that affected those people who received the Lord and in their growth, in their Christian life and that sort of thing. But it's really important to get this down. The Corinthian church is not a Jewish church. It's predominantly Greek. Predominantly, uh, well, we can say for sure predominantly Gentile. Corinth was such a, a crossroads because of the ports and that sort of thing that you had a lot of people coming through there. So it's important to understand that. And I'll tell you, it was not, and maybe you saw this years ago, and that's fine, just pray for your preachers. He tries to catch up. Uh, I read something, and it just... Brother Charlie, it just like to stop me in my tracks. I thought, as many times as I've read that, I've taught on those verses, I've looked at it, but a simple fact, I mean a simple fact, just totally passed me on it. And so I started digging into it. I'm like, oh my soul, 
There's so much in there. And so uh, tonight we're looking at, at uh, 1 Corinthians 10. And by the way, just the first four verses with that. But I want you to pay attention because another day I'm going to be teaching uh, again out of 1 Corinthians 10. And uh, we're going to be finding out uh, that there's a message that's going to be it's entitled, or I have the message together, but it's a common warning. And tonight we're going to find out something about a common history but we're going to find out about a common warning. And we're going to find out that God warns us about certain things that are very, very applicable to our Christian life. And you're going to get the foundation how we can make sure we don't give in to the wrong things and how we can have God's deliverance. You're going to learn why that's available to you. Tonight you're going to learn that. And so look at 1 Corinthians 10 verse 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. He's talking to the Corinthians. How that all our fathers, by the way, Paul's a Jew, that all our fathers were under the cloud. That's talking about the cloud that led them out of Egypt. Cloud of a pillar of fire at night, cloud during the day. They were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. It's talking about the Red Sea splitting. And we're all baptized unto Moses. They were separated out in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. So I'm reading this. How many times have I read that? The quote parts of it. I'm looking at it and it just hits me I think because all the study I'm doing for Corinthian, uh, to teach our Corinthians, he's not talking to Jews. That's addressed to the church which is at Corinth. That is not written for Donnelly Jews. You read it and it's very easy just to say, oh, here's the history of the Jewish people because everything in those first four verses deals with God working to bring them out of the Egyptian bondage. I know there was a mixed multitude that followed, but as far as who was actually brought out of Egypt, do you know how many Gentiles were in that? No? Those were Jews. So I'm reading this and I'm going, wait, 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 hold the door. Hold on. What in the world? And maybe you say, I don't get this yet. That's fine. You will. Or you won't. (laughs) I predict one or the other. But it's... but. I'm looking at it going, he's addressing that. In fact, I was reading Hebrews or James, you know, James, the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Ah, uh-uh, Corinthians. A mostly Gentile, mostly Greek congregation. Look at the verses again. Moreover, brethren, he's talking to all the believers that are there at Corinth. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. He says, I want to teach you something. So he's got a mainly Greek, a mainly Gentile for sure congregation, and he's saying, I don't want you to not know something. I don't want you to be ignorant of something. Look at the next phrase. How that all our what? Fathers. Have you ever sang the kid song? You have if you've been around here, because we use it in vacation Bible school. Father Abraham had many sons. You know that one? Many sons had Father Abraham. I mean, you ever sang, right? 
I, I won't pull you up here. How many of you are ever saying it? All right, please. Come work over sweat, baby. I am one of them. You ever saying it? So are you. Weren't you born with steam? I don't think you're Jewish, are you? you Jewish in your lineage? Oh. Shield neck? Is that Jewish name? You did? Oh. Okay, so you can hop on one foot and say it. Underwood? Sounds distinctly, Jerry. Distinctly. Huh? What was it? He can't hop on one foot. He can't hop on one foot. <laughs> He'll just have to praise the Lord then. Huh? I don't think so. Come on now. I am one of them, and so are you. Where did this song come from? Where did this come from? I got to reading that, and I thought, oh my goodness. And there's some, I'm not going to get into it, some weird teachings out there that I'm not going to go off into that stuff. We're, the way you stay out of the weird teachings is you stay in the Bible. <laughs> you know, I have a couple of good, big libraries, but there's no book like this book, and all those other books are just books. This is God's book. <laughs> so this is the one we go by. And, uh, and so, I, but there it is. I didn't find that. I didn't, I didn't get Brother Joel's book or something to read that. I. I <laughs> I'm reading that and I'm going, whoa, wait a minute, hold on there. That's what it says. That's what it's talking to. And from that, I started understanding something in the Bible that I thought was absolutely amazing and is fully uh, scripturally supported. Not I went and pulled a bunch of verses out and made twisted, put them in the blender of my theology and made it fit, whatever. But that actually what the Bible teaches, and I was amazed again at the heritage we have in Jesus Christ. That's right. My mom asked me a question once. It was funny. It was right after she got back in church. My mom was actually saved and baptized just, just prior to me being born. And then through different things that happened and no excuse for it. Mom and I had very, very blunt conversations about it until she got back in church. And at one point we were, it got intense. And she said, Philip Wayne, that's trouble. When your mom uses your middle name, it's trouble. And, and she said, I'm your mom. I said, not right now you're not. I said, I'm talking to you about the Bible. And so anyway, yeah, she was still my mom, by the way. Um, <laughs> that doesn't always go so well. But <laughs> just for reference, <laughs> to be honest. But, but she asked me when she started reading her Bible and she got back in church and she started growing. It was so neat to see. And uh, she said, uh, she asked one day, I was over at her house, I want to ask you a Bible question. I said, sure, mom. What is it? She said, was God a Jew? And, and something in my brain just spun around about three times trying to answer that question. No, no God wasn't a Jew. <laughs> But I said, are you asking me, was Jesus a Jewish lineage? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Was God a Jew? It's just like when, uh, was it Joshua who saw the angel of the Lord and said, are you for us or for the enemy? And what was his answer? No. Wait a minute. No. I'm not for you. I'm not taking sides. I'm God. (laughs) Whose side are you on? I'm not on anybody's side. I'm God. Are you on my side? (laughs) And, And so... But there were so many promises. Now, I've not been promised the land of Palestine, the land of Israel as it is right now. Just so you know, I've not been promised that. This Gentile fellow, I wasn't part of the heritage that wasn't given to my ancestry with that. Now, one day, Jerusalem's going to be the ruling point for the whole world. My king's going to be on that throne. Amen. So that's common. But let me, let me show you something here with it. It's pretty amazing. Um, these four verses 
the basis are going to be the basis for the believers in Corinth to take some very probably strange stands as far as the way they live, and probably very unpopular. If you're, you're reading through Corinthians as we're going through, have you seen how many things get dealt with? Everything from how they take the Lord's Supper to a woman's hair. And man's hair. And differences between things. All of that's dealt with. And they're starting to do something different and live differently in a culture that's very much never heard of anything like this. They're going to have to have something inside of them. I loved what you said a few minutes ago, Brother Shieldneck, about having uh, getting some meat into them because they're going to have to have that to stand. You're going to have to have that to stand. And so what happens, you know, in your country, they have idols all over. Skinny Thai Buddhists, right? And they've got Buddhists, they've got the things that you have open, demonstrable exhibitions of idolatry. In our, our country, most of them have four wheels. Our idols do. Yeah, they're shiny. People worship them. <laughs> Some of them have six because they've got dualies. And... Uh, You'll catch it by slow freight. But what happened was, God showed them that they belonged to the lineage and family of God. It is born within our being. It is put there by the Creator that we have a desire to belong somewhere. God made it that way because He made us to fellowship with Him. That's why Proverbs begins with uh, the first few verses. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Don't give in to them. If they say, come with us. That's where the gangs come from. That's where the peer pressure comes from. And peer pressure, I used to think when I was a kid that kids were the ones who suffered it. I'm not a kid anymore. It does not care about age. It's there. I guarantee you, peer pressure is just as strong among the doctors at the hospital where you work as it is in the high school out here at Lancaster. Just on a different level. Probably worse, truthfully. And uh, because it affects people's lives more. And so what happens with it is God was giving them something in this first four verses to help them understand what they could do. They're written to dominantly Gentile church. Let me show you a couple things tonight. Look in Romans chapter 11. You say, what in the world, preacher? It's talking about the Jews talks about them at the Red Sea. It talks about the cloud. It talks about that water coming out of the rock. It talks about all this. And it's saying all of you? What's it talking about? Well, Romans 11 is a great place to start. Y'all can handle some Bible tonight, can't you? All right? You're not going to conk out on me if I don't you know, do something weird to keep your attention for every few minutes. Romans chapter 11. Let's see what happens here. If I can find it. Let me show you just part of this. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but please follow along and know what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach and teach to you. And tonight's a little bit more teaching, but more in a narrative style where I'll be teaching you what the Scripture says as we go through. So I want you to be able to keep your focused thought on the Scripture and I'll be giving you certain things that it's teaching. I'll be opening it. I'll be reading it to you clearly, opening it up, giving you the sense of it. And then we, what we'll do is we'll understand this better. All right, then verse 1, let's look at this. I say then... Hath God cast away His people? And at this point in Romans, he's dealing with the fact of the Gospel going to the Gentiles, how God's dealing with the Gentiles. And he's saying this simple question, Ms. Sheila. He's saying, is God done with the Jews? Is He not reaching them anymore? 
And it's, that's not the case. In Corinth, do you remember when Paul, it was the first real transition where he really goes into his apostleship as a Gentile, apostle to the Gentiles, and he says to the Jews that he's taking or he's going to the Gentiles. It didn't mean he never talked to a Jew again, but he's saying, you've heard it, you don't want it, you're resisting, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And God kept him there for 18 months. Did a great work. Many of the Greeks were believing, not very many of the Jews. But you know what happened? Right after he did that, right after he did that, Crispus, who was the leader of the synagogue, and his whole family get saved. Sosthenes. Not Christmas. But Sosthenes first and then Christmas afterwards, I think. I'll look it up and tell you. Um, but they, they did. And then later, yeah, Sosthenes, and then it was Christmas later, get saved under Apollos' ministry. And so what happens, there is, there, Jews are still getting saved. But the church predominantly was filled with, with Gentiles, people who didn't, didn't know. And so he asked a question here, uh, under the Spirit of God, I say then, has God cast away His people? In other words, is God just done with the Jews? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite, this is Apostle Paul, of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away His people which He foreknew. What ye not, and I love that little Bible phrase, don't you understand, don't you have knowledge of this? Watch ye not what the Scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets. Dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. Anyway, some insight there to what was happening with Elijah when he did that. Notice what it says, how he made intercession to God against Israel. You'll really see how gracious God was with him in that condition because he was actually coming to God against the nation. And God, of course, didn't let that stand. Verse 4, But what saith the answer of God unto him? How did God answer that? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knees to the image of Baal. Elijah's best known prophet in the land. He's the most influential prophet in the land. And in a small nation, there were 7,000 people who were taking a strong stand. He didn't even know about Because God's always doing things you don't know about. In places you don't know about. And not asking for our approval. And that's important to understand. I loved it. We had a missionary here one time years ago, and partway through, we'd had a couple of different fellows in, and he asked me, he said, Brother Man, can I ask you something? This fellow was from way, way up in the holler. And I said, What's that? And he said, uh, he said I heard a couple of names. He said, Someone mentioned a fellow named Lee Robertson, someone mentioned a fellow named Tom Malone, Jack House. He goes, I ain't never heard of them. They preach around here. I remember I had a couple of graduates at uh, the college where I graduated from uh, standing near me. I thought they were going to pass out. You just thought somebody didn't know the Trinity. I thought it was hilarious. And I said, no, nah, they're just some men God used. He goes, all right. He goes, I know brother so-and-so up over at, at Brushy Fork and I know... Amen! And we need to understand that. God's working where God works. And wherever people will have a heart for God, God will work there. And that's what he's looking for. And so there he is. Then look in verse 4. But what saith answer God unto him? I have reserved myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then at this present time, there also is a remnant, a small part, small gathering, according to the election of grace, that those who would believe on Christ, and by grace they're saved with that. 
And if by grace, look at the verse, is then is it no more of works? Otherwise, grace is no more grace. You cannot mix those two things. It's not 80% grace, 20% works. It's not 80% works, 20% grace. If it's works, it isn't grace. If it's grace, it isn't works. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. And it'll say he, but it's talking about the nation. And it personifies it that way because it all came from the one man Israel. But the election have obtained it and the rest were blinded. And I've just taught you through Ephesians 1. And uh, we learned there that uh, ones he foreknew and were predestined for the foundation of the world were those who would be in Christ. And once you accepted Christ and you have access by faith, according to Romans 5, into this grace wherein we stand, when you access that grace by faith in Christ, it's predestined for the foundation of the world. You're going to be conformed to the image of Christ. And I taught you all about that there. But here's what happened when they rejected Christ. There's a blindness. Verse 8, According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber. He did just knock them out so they couldn't hear anything. When they rejected, there was a result. And you need to pay attention to that. You can't play around with God. He gave them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. He said this is the problem. Why? If you study the Scripture, because they going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. That's why. It's very clearly explained in other places. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see, and bow down their back always. What's that? To those who would reject the Messiah when He came. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? In other words, is Israel done? Is God, everything's finished with them? God forbid. But rather through their fall... Salvation has come unto the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. Corinth's a perfect example. When the Jewish people weren't listening anymore, Paul said, Lo, we go to the Gentiles. And guess what? They heard. They heard and they listened. You know, you go all the way through your Bible and you're going to find that thing of all the world's there. Really is. I preached a message down in Haiti that God used and called the men to preach and all that He did that, that wonderful evening. I preached on God's peculiar love for the islands. And God led me to that message. I never thought of it before. But almost all the passages come out of the Old Testament that the islands will hear and the people scattered will hear. God was, knew all about that. But that means done with Israel. So watch what happens here. Then, verse 12, now if the fall of them, the Jews, be the riches of the world, and the diminish of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. Peter was the apostle to the Jews. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, the Jewish people, and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? He's saying, and so when these Jewish people get saved, 
And, and, and in their language, a lot of them call themselves completed Jews. In their language, what happens with that is, he said, that's hallelujah time. That's something special going on with that right there. So then, he, he talks about this. Verse 16. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. You start with something holy and then expands it's holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And, now he goes into this, uh, this teaching showing a picture of a tree with this. And if some of the branches be broken off, now the root's not destroyed, but the branches are broken off. And thou, talking to the Gentiles, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches... But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. In other words, what God was teaching us Gentiles is, don't you get all proud and say, well, the Jewish people missed it. They crucified the Messiah. Boy, if we'd been there, we wouldn't have done that. And I don't know. It's just like you hear doofy, immature Christians talking about, well, I'll tell you what, Peter did this wrong, he did that wrong, and boy, why didn't this one know this and that one know that? And I'll tell you what, that kind of talk is offensive to God. Because he knows how we are. And we have a complete Bible, and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And we're looking down on people who didn't even have a complete Bible yet, and the Holy Spirit didn't live inside of them. And we're missing the boat with all the light we've got. And fussing at somebody who stubbed their toe in a dark room with a chair in it? No! God is saying, You Gentiles better pay attention to this. Many, many things. I'm not going to divert into this. That's instruction to myself. I'm not going to divert into this. Many, many things I have against the contemporary Christian church movement. Many, many things I have against the CCM music. Mercy Me, Switchfoot, all the different ones we start going through. Some of you have no idea what it is. Some of you listen to it. And so what happens is, I don't know who's who actually, so just take that as it is. All this stuff, I get to hear enough of it around town to make me nauseous. It's a real popular thing to blend it with secular music. And honestly, I'd rather hear the secular. Uh, uh, you can take me to task that if you want to, but it's less offensive. And all this stuff going in where they're blending in hell's music and trying to call it Christian, it's become very subtle. When it first started, you had Amy Grant out there, and she openly said in her first interview, I read it back in 1982. And she said, I'm a crossover artist. My, my job, she said, my mission is to blend the sacred and the secular. That was her, I would say, that was in Houston, Texas. I know when she said And then it went to the heavy rock stuff and they called it Christian rock. Well, people were standing back from that so they went in a different direction. But do, you, do, you, do you know what the, the, the big thing is with it? So much of the music, if you look at it, just music aside and everything else with it, when you look at it, it's self. It, it, it's not just glorifying God. If it does glorify God, it glorifies God with how much He's doing with me. So much of it is, here's my story, here's my journey, here's all I've been through and I'm still making it and isn't that good. It's, it's sickening. It is so different. But we Gentiles go that way. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. Pretty building. We got to be right. Good crowd. 
How many do you have in Sunday school? We had this many in Sunday school for people who do such dumb comparisons. And God is warning against that. And what's happening here in the Corinthian church is these people are coming out of a very messed up society where they've got to get away from this nonsense stuff that's going on. And God said for you to understand, you have to understand what your origins are and what your roots are. It was the Jews that God brought out of Egypt. It was the Jews that He took across that Red Sea. And you know what? By grace you're saved and you stand by grace and you need to not be high-minded. We're going to read just a moment. But fear. Why? Because you get to an evil heart of unbelief. You know what? Hey, you Gentiles can be cut off just like that. Amen. I've heard some things down over 41 years of preaching. 40 years of preaching. Yeah, 40, yeah, 41 years of preaching. Good night, I'm getting old. Um, they, you know, I've heard people get up and say, well, and I understand if a fellow's getting up to say this to try to motivate us that we personally need to take responsibility personally, not just corporately as a church, but personally getting the gospel out. Well, if, if, if we don't reach this town, who's going to? Well, maybe somebody who comes along who will obey the Lord. Maybe even somebody who annoys us with the way they do it. By the way, that's why God blesses and you see salvation and some of these things have some of the stuff I just told you that's messed up. Because some of those folks really love the Lord and some of those folks are really trying to reach people for Christ. They really are. They are. And that's why it's doubly disheartening to me because it's like you're poisoning yourself and the next generation with something that's going to take you away. And, and, and I'm done with that issue. Um, here's the list that says, does it move you towards real, literal Bible belief or does it move you towards an experiential religion? That tells you the difference between what's solid and what's isn't. Looking back in Romans, see, I told myself not to go down that road too far. And I almost listened. He says here, when he's talking about it, he says, you are grafted in among some of the branches. Look in the, uh, look in the, 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 let's start verse 17 again. If some of the branches be broken off of that natural olive tree, and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fitness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. You don't look over there and say, oh, we know more than you do. Boy, I tell you what, we're, 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 we're come along and we're better. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thief. Every tree you've got around here, if you went over to a tree, we had one up there that we took down that was just like this. The top had some leaves and it had an appearance of being alive. About the first six or eight feet of it was just dead inside. One we dropped up there only had a ring about that big around the edge holding it. It was just about that far it was going to blow and come down. You know why? You can have branches die and you can lose something at the top and the tree can stay healthy. You get that bottom eat out with ants or you get that bottom have something going on with it, you get down that root area having a problem, guess what's going to happen? Well, on the ground, the big tree that fell across our parking lot out there, it came down at the root. When the roots let go, guess what the rest of the tree did? And so we need to understand something. We were saved by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We were saved by God Almighty. That's who saved us. He took on the form of a man in Jesus Christ and came to this earth. And He came first to the lost sheep of the house of who? And so if every now and then there's a Syrophoenician woman who gets a crumb... And every now and then, 
there's a Samaritan woman at a well. If every now and then you have something like that, it's the mercy and grace of God as He's dealt with people. But when He shifted, and now the Gentiles are the main, the main focus, don't think for a moment that somehow we've earned it. Let me be very specific in our thinking. We don't deserve it because we're Americans. America did not give the Bible its freedom. The Bible gave America its freedom. And to what degree we, we repudiate and go away from this Bible, to that degree we will lose our freedom. And by the way, we do not lose our freedom first to a totalitarian uh, uh, type of government. We lose our, our freedom first to the slavery of sin and sensuality and undisciplined living and sinful, selfish living, and then it's very easy for us to be captured and taken over. The nation of Israel was never defeated by a foreign army while they served Jehovah God. Always is was the point of apostasy where they where they went into bondage. It's important to pay attention. Important, basically. We're sitting there, there's something in our DNA as Americans. We're saying, ah, oh, we're all right. What's somebody going to do? Come take over our country? Yeah. You don't think it could happen here? You've been there the night there, the handwriting was on the wall. You thought Babylon would never fall either. Invincible. Could not be taken down except it happened in one night. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar out there. No ruler like him. Powerful. And he went from that to and about that fast. Alright. Telling you something tonight. Why was this spoken to a Gentile church? Because the root is the Lord. The root is the Lord. Look what happens here. Then um, verse 19. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. See that pride can enter in? Well, because of unbelief they were broken off. And thou standest by faith, be not high-minded but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest He also spare not thee. I mean, as a church of the living God, as people of God, saved by the grace of God, we've got to have some sense about this thing. Behold, therefore, take time to look at, not just glance at it. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the what? Severity of God. Both of them. That other mess I was talking about as far as how things are going with the modernistic churches, they don't ever mention the severity. You're not preaching all the counsel of God. You have a caricature of God if you don't deal with the severity at times. Behold the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness. If thou continue in His goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. Do you know that uh, many of those ancient churches don't even exist? Their cities don't even exist anymore. Nothing there. You know what was above ground before they started excavating that particular area? Seven pillars. I had to go digging. Find stuff. Verse 23. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Today, this very day, any person of Jewish lineage that will hear the Scripture and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ 
they can become a completed Jew and they can believe and love the Messiah that came for them. Thank God. Amen. Amen with that. Then look in verse 24. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, hello Gentiles, and were graft contrary to nature into a good olive tree. Isn't that something? It's contrary to our nature to even be godly Christians. I'm not saying we shouldn't be. I'm just saying it's not how we're hardwired. So God has to do a work in us. How much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. Now look at the end. That blindness, being wise in your own conceits, is in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. He said, you can do the same thing that Jews... Take it for granted! Take it for granted! It's amazing with me. Are you with me over here, Wayne? Alright, buddy. Look at it this way. Stay with me. I am glad when somebody who's been away from our church for years, and I'm talking about somebody out on the field working out for y'all a bit, but somebody in this area has been away from our church for years, and they come back. We have them visit. They'll come in. They'll see myself in town, myself and my wife. Hey, we want to come back. We want to come there. Or people will just come in, show up. They'll show up at church time, come in, and just everything's wrong. You know what they're saying? Well, yeah, we knew it would be. Yeah, we knew it would be. What are you talking about? It's, you, know, you don't close down services. You don't change things. It's, you don't be here. No! If we don't keep seeking and hungering after God, this place can be history like any other place. This preacher can be history like anybody else. And we ought to just keep alive in our soul the fact that we have a history, we have a common history that's called the God of Heaven and that's our only, our only joy, that's our only strength, that's our only foundation. I read that thing, Brother Keith, and I'm like, whoa, he's talking to Gentiles. How's this fit? Now I'll show you this and we'll go to the house. You go to yours, I'll go to mine. I like y'all, but I don't want you over tonight. Ephesians, look over if you will, Ephesians chapter 2. Say, isn't a preacher supposed to be hospitable? I drag all you people home tonight. My wife might put me in the hospitable. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. So we're not going to risk it. Now, this is just so good. Look in verse 1. Talking about the common history. Why? These first four verses. Are you getting this? These first four verses. So emphatically talking about these things that have to do with Israel and talking to Gentiles saying we were all there. How? Because there's a spiritual heritage. Look at this one. Verse 2. Or chapter 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. I love that word quicken. It has to do with the resurrection. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. Oh, by the way, this is the book of what? Ephesians, which was across the Aegean Sea from Corinth. This is another Gentile church. Ephesus is where Apollos came along and only knew the the baptism of John until uh, um, Aquila and Priscilla instructed him and they expounded to him the Scripture more perfectly. I have a subnote over where that happens when it talks about it in the Bible. And I said, uh, I said, seeking servants. 
seeking servants. In other words, people who are wanting to serve the Lord just don't know much about the Bible yet. They need exposition. They need the Bible opened and explained to them so they know what to do next. You're not trying to reach somebody who's against the Gospel. You're not talking to somebody who's never heard the Word before. You've got somebody who's seeking to go forward. Open the book and say, here's where it goes. Here's what your next step is. And so anyway, it says, um, so these folks, these are, these, are, these are Gentiles. Again, mainly Gentiles. Verse 2, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, what all that's talking about has never been, the depth of that's never been plumbed yet. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, whether they're running wild in our town or sitting in our church, among whom also we all had our conversation. That's where we lived. In times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, remember that wild olive tree thing? And we're by nature the children of what? Even as what? We're not so hot, are we? My wife and I every now and then get to enjoy something um, because of the fact she was 15, I was 16. When we met, God was gracious to us. We met in the public high school. And uh, God uh, had just got saved. We were taught the Bible. God was gracious. Went to that marriage altar clean by the grace of God. And loved each other. But we knew each other. We knew each other. She was there the day I decided I wasn't going to be out there jiving on the dance floor in the public school dance and walked off. She was there and saw that. So she was off to the side. She was, I was dragging in her into all kinds of heathenism. You know, I was full bore whatever I was into. It was the problem with it. Hey, we know. And every now and then, we'll look at something and think about where we were. Think about how good God's been. Think about the fact that uh, Brother John likes to say, I ought to be in hell with my back broke, but instead I'm preaching the Word of God and we're getting to serve God and we get to love the Lord and we've got a Bible and we're saved by the grace of God. And I know what happened to the folks and just the folks I knew about we graduated from high school with. We know what happened to them. Some of them aren't even alive anymore, not necessarily because of their wrongdoing, but we had so many, their lives busted up, their families busted up, their marriages busted up. And this book has kept us from all that. God's been good to us. I want to tell you why. We had that. We walked in that nonsense. It's good to be free. Amen. Amen. I love it. I don't, don't want to ever get over it. It's by nature the children of wrath, even as others. My daddy died a wicked man. Evil man. And the, Jesus came and there's a difference. Say, well, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. Well, God uprooted me and put me in a different vineyard and put me in a different orchard, thank God. <laughs> I can get happy right here. Look at this. Look at verse 4. But God, I love it when God butts in, don't you? We were children of wrath even as others, but God, who is rich in mercy. What are you rich in? What am I rich in? I want to be rich in mercy. Who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. Even when we were dead... In, in sins, rather, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's more of the teaching I've been showing you on that. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace 
Look at this word, in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is the way that God could be kind to me. On my own merits, He had to be wrathful. Any decent parent has at times had to chasten their children. And it hurts. If you're ever in a mood where it's not going to hurt, you better wait a little before you do it. It's not what you want to do. There were times when the boys were growing up and they were not problematic for us when they were young, but they but there were times when they were growing up, I'd love to have been playing, we we were doing something, we were planning on doing something, and they made a choice that changed. They say daddy's eyes, and I guess my eyes change at a certain point. And I don't yell. My voice just gets very cold, very direct, and quieter. And then they're like, oh no, we're going to die. And, um, but that was their choice. I would have much rather been playing a game or doing something, but I couldn't be the daddy God wanted me to be if I let them go on in something they shouldn't be doing. And I was as imperfect in it as anybody in this room. And I know I probably blew it in both directions however many times. I own that. I know that. It's not just talk. I know that. I feel it. But listen to me well. My Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father, He could not just say, oh, it's okay. He could not say, oh, you sinned, but that's all right. He's a holy God. And God in His own wisdom, God in His own wisdom, sent the only one who could stand in our place, and that was Himself. He came and showed us kindness through Jesus Christ. And God can be kind to me today because of what Jesus did on Calvary. Thank God for it. It's just good stuff. Let's head on down here with it. Verse 8, For by grace are you saved. You know this verse, don't you? Listen with, with intention with it. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Why not? lest any man should boast. If you could work your way in, you could brag about how you got there. <laughs> and we would. Can you imagine? Heaven wouldn't be heaven with a bunch of bragging people around. For we are His workmanship. He made us. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles, what's the next little phrase? In the flesh. Who were called uncircumcision, which is a delineation between the, the descendants of Abraham and those who aren't, which being called uncircumcision, in times past called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Can you figure out what the word commonwealth means? You all share the same bounty. You all share the same inheritance. You all share the same riches. That's, what it, that's the concept behind it. You were aliens. You weren't allowed in. You were foreigners. From the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. The aching terror of that voice echoes in my soul from my young ages. That's what I felt before I got saved. 
That's what I felt when the Holy Ghost started bringing my own conviction. I didn't even know such a verse existed. But now, thank God for that. Can't say the Bible. But now, in Christ Jesus, <laughs> look how it changed. You were aliens. You were outside the commonwealth. You had no inheritance. Without hope and without God in this world. But now, hey Gentiles, that's who he's talking about. And I'm not making any of this up. Look, it's straight Bible. But now, why those first four verses in, in 1 Corinthians 10? But now, later on you're going to find out in 1 Corinthians 10, there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, and will with each temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. What is the basis for that promise? That you and I were under the shadow of the, uh, of the cloud, that we were baptized in Moses. Why? Because the spiritual rock that followed him was Jesus Christ. Everything that was going on was pointing to the one who's our Savior. Oh my goodness. There's more doctrine and more blessing in here than I can even think about. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being alien from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. I did fire off. You're way out where you can barely see you. Made nigh. You got pulled right up to you. For He is our peace. Look at this. Who hath made both one. He's talking about Jew and Gentile. Hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. No part. When that veil, that temple got ripped in two, or the lock got ripped in two. Watch it. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain, of two, one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God, watch it, in one body by the cross. Wow. Having slain the enmity thereby. The enmity between you and God was died on that cross. Hmm. Then what did he do? Verse 17, came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. Look, I've never been drunk, never drank liquor, never, never messed with the drugs. I came up to the public schools. I graduated in 1982. I was in varsity wrestling. I had all the stuff. I had a lot of freedom because I shared a lot of responsibility. Mom rewarded a responsibility with freedom. I had all that stuff. And as compared with so many that were going to the parties after the games and running and the girls and someone flinging themselves at you and all the other nonsense that I saw and that was going on in the high school, let me tell you something about it. That when I got saved, I was just as far off as the biggest pothead in our school. I was just as far off. I was just as lost. Oh, I didn't have all the scars, and I'm glad for the ones I don't have, but I was just as lost. I went to the same hell. I was just as lost. Picked the same blood. Sinner that seems clean in the eyes of man is no less vile in the eyes of God. And a sinner that's been saved by grace and maybe is held in low esteem in the eyes of man is no less precious in the eyes of God. It's time we get down to understanding it. Verse 18, For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, 
Now, where are you now? You're no more strangers and foreigners, that's what the aliens were, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. They were going to whip Paul one time and he used some good strategy and said, is it, is it lawful for you to, to beat a Roman uncondemned? And they went and said, hey, this guy's a Roman. You better, you better watch what you're doing. That could have gotten a lot of trouble. And so the fellow in charge comes and says, I paid a great sum for my freedom. And Paul looked at him and said, I was freeborn. Man, they left him alone right now. He was a freeborn Roman citizen. What does that mean? He was born as a citizen of that country. Let me tell you, when it comes to heaven, I'm freeborn. I'm freeborn. I was born as a child of wrath like others, but then in, in July 26, 1980, I got born again. You are looking at a freeborn citizen of God's heaven. Just not there yet. Amen. Haven't moved in. Place isn't ready. God's not done with what He wants me to do here. When He is, you'll know I'll be gone. Look what happens with it. Verse 20, and are built, I love it, God's always building this, are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ, you understand by that, meaning they were the ones through whom the Word of God came and they taught the Word of God. That's what they were set aside for. Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation. Well, who's going to live? Your life's being built. Who's wanting to live in you? What's it say? A habitation of who? God. Hey, God's looking for somebody to live in in this town. Who's living in you? Have you taken up all the room so there's no vacancy? Something else taking up all the room? Hey, who's going to live in you? I don't know about you all. I want God as a tenant. I'm done. There's another thing I was going to show you, but I'm not. I'm going to show you half of the thing. Romans 2. I'm going to show you the end of the thing. The conclusion of the whole matter. I was preparing this. I cut a bunch out. I've got three sermons out of that, uh, 1 Corinthians 10. And I looked at that and I said, oh boy, you're not going to expound that much Scripture and get done any time before the rapture. And so, I was right. Romans 2. And I'm just one verse. That's so much I wanted to show you. Read Romans 2 later. That's so good. All right. All right. Look in verse 29. Here, here's it all coming down in summary. Verse 28, rather. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. Why those first four verses to a Gentile church? Because of all this. Why are they going to be able to stand? Because of who's, what their heritage is. And I'm telling you, it's a wonderful thing to be accepted and beloved. Let me pray with you. You've been great listening tonight. Father, thank You for Your people. The obvious interest so many had to learn the Word of God. Thank You for what You're showing us. What You're teaching me as I'm seeking to feed Your people. I love it. Lord, thank You for the times of conviction. And thank You for the times of instruction. Thank You for the times of encouragement. And I pray, dear God, that You help us to be people of Your book that love You. 
May we indeed be fruitful for you. May we let the Word of God dwell in us richly that we may be useful to you. God, you're looking for a habitation. I want to be some of that habitation around here for you to work in and uh, work through. Thank you for uh, convincing me. Thank you for convicting me this week, Lord, when I got a little honor. stepped out of line with that person. You brought right to my heart. Lord, thank you for not, not, uh, uh, not leaving me alone, but you're trying to teach me. I pray you'll help us to walk with you do the right thing, be obedient to you. Lord, may our, 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 uh, our uh, tempers, our, our, uh, our, our desires and all these things be yielded to you. Help us to walk as, as your people, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together, please. Something you ought to bring before the Lord tonight. Man, you have a heritage. So I don't have much of a background. Are you kidding me? Because all the way back there, before Abraham actually. Why don't you come tonight? We have a song invitation. You ought to just thank God that you belong to Him. One of the early songs I learned in the Christian life was, thank God I am free, free, free from this world of sin. And uh, I've been learning more of that as I go. My heart's desire here at Lighthouse that our adult hearts will be as responsive as our children's. May we lead them. Well, kids are the future of the church. Well, then let's, those of us who are adults, if you believe that statement, let's, uh, let's walk with the Lord and help to guide and lead and help and strengthen those we put something into the future. Amen. Draw me near and near. Song says, love it.